0: That's one small per Columbia,
1: Columbia. we're back this is the Knicks Wall Podcast, presented by Whistle Sports. I'm your host, Mike Cortez. Joining me as always, Whistle Sports Podfather, TKWOG, Mags Van Vliet, Kyle Maggio. What is up?
2: Uh, not much, man. Hanging in there. Just, you know, looking for any inklings of uh, Knicks news we could talk about.
1: Yeah, we're it's been a little slower this week. But also joining the pod this week, Eli Cohen. Eli, what is up?
0: Um, just hanging out. It's a beautiful day in San Francisco, so I'm excited to uh, be spending it indoors talking some hypothetical hoops with you guys.
1: <laughs> yes, let's jump right into the hypotheticals because this week I put out an article about Devin Booker, star guard for the Phoenix Suns, who, contrary to popular belief, is actually more than a hog. But the point of the article was blockbuster trades and Leon Rose and William, William Wesley. We're brought on to attract stars and I think Booker is the perfect person to do this with. So I'll start off with Eli. Eli, how attainable do you think this is before I even start throwing trade scenarios at you?
0: You know, uh, nothing is impossible, but I would say that this is on the lower end of likely. I mean, just to make the salary work, you're going to have to send out basically the entire team and, uh, then what are you left with? You're left with basically doing exactly what Phoenix has been doing with Booker for the last four years. Um, And that's before you even get to the question of would Phoenix actually want the entire Knicks 2019, 2020 team in exchange for their, you know, up and coming 23 year old superstar. So I would say the odds are incredibly, incredibly low.
2: Yeah. uh, It's not happening with Devin Booker. Um, As much as it would be very fun, and I would enjoy that very, very much. It's not going to happen pretty much for the salary point alone. I don't think the Knicks have an issue with it. I just, I don't know. I I just don't see it happening from a Phoenix standpoint either. Like, I just don't see what we would have that they'd be interested in. Uh, Knicks fans are going to overrate RJ and Mitch currently, despite my love for them. I think we got to be reasonable here until one of them takes a gigantic leap, hopefully, this upcoming season. We're not even going to be in, like, real contention, you know? It's just not – a Booker package isn't realistic at this point. We just don't have enough. It would basically take everything. It would take RJ, Mitch, a bunch of picks, and then whatever else they would basically want. It's it's going to be – it would be a lot.
1: It would just be a lot. Let me try and sway you guys or just bounce ideas, really, because – when Anthony Davis left, I felt like there was really no reason to leave New Orleans. They were in a good place, all things considered, compared to where he was when he started with the franchise. Yet he still pushed the Lakers and the Knicks for no apparent reason. So if William Wesley is really this much of a power broker, I feel like he can at least get Booker. If this was also take the Suns to start screwing up again, but Wesley just to get Booker to nudge for a trade. And another thing I thought about was if the Suns have Aiden already, maybe you give up everything except Mitch. Would you and then you just have Mitch and Booker? Is that something that you like I don't know, I just feel like it's possible to just for the Suns to say, All right, we'll build around Aiton. They're already interested in Frank. RJ, let's say you get lottery luck, you get Lamello ball. You wouldn't do that? Or would you rather just build patiently as Quentin Haynes actually put out earlier this week? Oh,
0: I would absolutely do it. I I mean, if you could pair Mitch and Booker together, that would be amazing. But, you know, the thing with AD was a year away from free agency, whereas Booker is just starting this mega max contract. So there's really no reason other than like him just getting fed up with the Suns, who do seem to be sort of on an upward trajectory for him to force his way out, you know, in that same way where AD, you know, the Pelicans were sort of looking down the barrel of his free agency the next year
2: yeah i almost think uh you know they're almost in that timberwolves position a few years ago when cat needed to resign and uh i don't know i think once you know they still had jimmy at the time and they were at least a playoff team as long as jimmy was there anyway during the time the negotiations were happening he resigned he seemed pretty happy about it he wanted to stay i think bookers i think he's relatively happy at this point i mean Ayton does look like he's legitimate, um, not just as an offensive player, but he's actually a pretty good defensive player if you paid attention um, it, in terms of at least, you know, how far he's come along. I don't, I don't know if you guys watched a lot of the Suns game, but I was a little bit more impressed than I was led on to believe about his defense, but um, I don't know. I, I just don't think that uh, Phoenix is going to build around him like just eight, in you know what I mean? I, I just think that they're kind of comfortable uh, building around those two and taking their chances. And, you know, they got some good vets. The Rubio thing kind of worked out for them this year. Like, I don't really see why he'd be unhappy. They're going back to the bubble to try to compete for a playoff spot. I mean, he's averaging, what, 26 points a game, back-to-back years. I mean, they just started to take a little step here. I, I mean, I think he's going to be Fine for at least another two years before he's going to complain. You know what I mean? These things usually take a long time to like really brew. So we'll see. But I, I think he's kind of probably content there. That's my guess anyway. He obviously has not told me this information, but that's my like read on the situation.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And I also I thought Aiton was way better than I expected him to be this year. Especially like you said, Kyle, on defense. Um, I think he's a really good building block to have with Booker. And, I mean, it really comes down to it. I just can't see the Suns front office looking at this year's team and being like, yeah, let's put Julius Randle and RJ Barrett with DeAndre Ayton. That's what we want to do moving forward. Like, let's get rid of our star shot creator and go with what they were doing this year.
2: Yeah. I mean, mean, they figured out the complementary pieces between those two a little bit, or at least a step in the right direction for what those guys need. So I think they're starting to see the blueprint anyway, and kind of the way out of the woods, and at least towards uh, some kind of low playoff seed contention annually. You know, that appears to be their trajectory at the moment. So we'll see. But, you know, I I do think somebody that's more attainable is uh, Donovan Mitchell. I think if like, th- if we had to take a big swing on somebody, given the context of our assets and somebody who is potentially unhappy in his current situation for multiple reasons, I feel like that's the way to go. I feel like that's a guy who hasn't signed his monster deal yet. Like that's where you kind of take your chance on um, throwing Utah, you know, a bone and, and seeing what they might want from everything you have to offer and seeing if you can kind of buy low potentially it's still gonna take a lot. I'm not saying buy like buy low, they're actually gonna sell low on them, but you know, this is this is when you would want to try to snatch a star. You know what I mean? So I, I would give Utah a call.
1: Yeah, that's when I remember I thought of Mitchell early on when the coronavirus first broke because he seemed pretty pissed off about Rudy Gobert yeah acting stupid when he touched all those mics. The only reservation I had was had nothing to do with Mitchell or his disgruntled, but I feel like the Jazz would be infinitely more stupid to pick Gobert over Mitchell than the Suns would with eight and over Booker. That was my only reservation. In addition to the club control, because
2: it depends if you know if, what choices they have to. Like you, you don't know, and I don't know even. So it doesn't mean that I'm right. I'm just speculating here. But we we don't know like, you know how things went personnel wise as the news broke, or you know if there's any issues with utah in the front office or anything in general because whenever they talk about like the uh, rudy mitchell situation it's like they're both like oh yeah those two i mean it is what it is they'll you know they'll figure it out like that's kind of like the vibe it is so it's just like i wonder if there's more there you know and i just wonder how potentially deep it runs but again that's me trying to be hopeful too because i would like to believe a star is available to some degree or potentially available uh, so I would like to believe that Utah did something to uh, potentially fracture the relationship. That yeah. is my that is my silent prayer that I'm putting into the universe, and I would like the Knicks to be able to be on the receiving end just one time.
1: Yeah, and the one another thing with the Jazz is, wouldn't I mean I would say at least that they already seen close to what Gobert can offer at his peak performance. I don't think Gobert is going to develop a miraculous 100
2: percent, 100
1: what can you really say but that's another reason why i think they would ship him out first because i'd be like all right we already got like some of the best years and what what do we plateau at the second round so for sure mitchell definitely i think mitchell can definitely put the pressure i just feel like the jazz are a little smarter than the suns would be but uh, i don't know eli what do you think about mitchell
0: um i mean i'd love to have him i think I don't know if this would actually make a difference but one thing I think is a little interesting in this is you know we don't always think about it like this but from what I understand Phoenix as a place is somewhere that players really love living not necessarily the team obviously the team has had its ups and a whole lot of downs but from what I understand like people really enjoy living there whereas you know Utah I don't think it's quite as much and we've seen Mitchell kind of getting into like little sparring matches with you know we'll just say kind of racist fans. From Utah. Not that there aren't racist fans everywhere, but uh, you know you can see maybe like how if they were fractured within the locker room, and there's also those sort of off-court fan base things, how he might be more inclined to try to push his way somewhere else. Um, and again, if we're just going like totally hopeful, just like please send him to the Knicks. Like it, it is also true that the Jazz could get much more for him in a trade than they could get for Gobert. So if they were like, look, we have a solid little core here that we can just complement and keep going forward and stay as a playoff team versus just, I don't know, resetting completely and trying to build with young pieces around Mitchell. It could be easier to restock on the fly, but that probably wouldn't be coming from the mix. Unfortunately, that wouldn't be the, you know, the ticket to keep them in playoff contention. So yeah, so there's a lot of factors. And again, Mitchell would be great in New York. We know that he's really good friends with Frank Milikina. Uh, You'd fit nicely with RJ Barrett. Um, I don't like trying to trade with smart organizations when you have kind of mediocre assets though. That scares me. That's how the Knicks have gotten in trouble a lot of times.
1: Right. And I think that's the biggest problem with the team right now because outside, I mean, I would, I think Barrett or Mitchell's probably their best asset. And I don't know what he can really get you. We, they tried to flip Porzingis and even Porzingis couldn't get them Anthony Davis. So I don't even know what this team could even put together right now. Would they have to wait for lottery luck at this point? Because I feel like only a LaMelo or just the number one pick overall period would immediately become their only asset.
0: Yep, and of course, as we all know, that this is a draft without a generational superstar. So even that is going to be pretty limited in what it can get you. Obviously, a, first, a number one overall pick is the number one overall pick, and teams will – give a decent amount for that but it's not like you're going to be approaching a team and saying look we have this surefire thing that you can pick at number one that adds a whole another level of uncertainty to it so like all the other like rj and like mitch it's a good asset but it's a good asset that still comes with a lot of question marks and you're not getting a sure thing you're not getting a guaranteed superstar to be building around or to be pairing with the people you currently have on the team
1: Yeah, because if Anthony Edwards was a sure thing, I feel like you could at least, like, if the lottery gods were good to you, I feel like the Jazz would at least pick up the phone if you offered Edwards, RJ, and maybe even Mitch.
2: Yeah, I I don't know. I, uh, I just wish they would take a swing on somebody because, I mean, who else is really available? I mean... Bradley Beal, right? I mean, he's a little bit older, but he's always the one that everybody brings up. I, I, it would be nice. It would be nice if, like, the Mitchell just appeared. But I don't know. I, I guess I, I think they are just going to go mostly with the patient, like, semi-patient rebuild. I think they're in no rush to take the swing. I think we're basically going to be, what, running it back with. It's just going to be RJ Mitch, hopefully a Lamelo, whoever their top mm-hmm. looks like a guard prospect's going to be. And we'll basically see what happens. And I think they're going to be ready to sell one of those guys potentially in, in the in the right deal. I wonder what they maybe have in mind for that already. But
1: Yeah, it kind of depends on what they view as RJ as. Because if RJ can be a rec- recruiter, then I think he's kind of off the table and Mitch becomes the player they would be most willing to part with.
2: I would always want to move – and I love Mitch dearly, and I think he's important to this team, especially right now in the next couple of years, if they plan to just, you know, actually build around him. But you're always gonna see those guys move first. Like remember, Clink Capella was really, really good pretty quickly, right? For the Rockets. And he took a couple of strides pretty quickly and was important. Uh, and definitely important for them being a good defensive team and a team that made the playoffs, right? And uh but then, like, again, sort of like the Gobert point and guys that are just rim protectors, like, once once they kind of hit their peak, you kind of know where their value's at. And there's nothing wrong with that. Every team needs one of those kind of by default. You, you should kind of keep him. But if you ever needed to move somebody, that's going to be that guy that, you know, moves first. Just because, like, there, there's a cap on how much they're going to change the game because usually it's on one end of the floor, you know. So, it's, it's good, you need them, but they're always going to be the first one off the board versus somebody that's more of a perimeter threat. It's just the name of the game in the NBA.
0: So I agree with all that, um, especially considering how, like you said, with Capella and with you know, even kind of more established guys who can stretch the floor, like Aaron Baines. Like we've seen centers kind of move for very little over the last few years. Um, and so in that sense, I'm definitely inclined to agree the one thing that I think is interesting in the RJ Mitch debate is that RJ is so much more difficult to build around than Mitch is. Like, yep. you know, if you take Killian Hayes, for example, in this draft, which would be a great outcome. I think that the fit with him and RJ is pretty tough, right? Like I wouldn't trade RJ just cause you took Killian, but you know, the fit with Killian and Mitch is really easy. The fit with Killian and RJ and Mitch is really hard. And the fit with just Killian and RJ is still pretty tough. And Again, I think you could get much more for RJ than you could for Mitch. Well, maybe not much more, but I think you could definitely get more for RJ. So while I agree with everything you're saying about centers in general and centers of like the Mitch archetype, I do think that in terms of team building, RJ closes some doors where Mitch mostly keeps the doors open. Like you don't really need to do anything specific to build around him other than giving him like a stretch four, which you know, every modern team wants anyway.
1: Yeah. And with RJ, that's why I think it comes down to recruiting more because you also have to pay, um you also have to look ahead to contracts too, because who I think RJ would be a little cheaper than Mitch. Because if Mitch ends up with what, Rich Paul, I think that's gonna be a big contract too.
0: And he's getting paid first too, Mitch.
1: Wait, who's in line first?
0: I think Mitch is getting paid first, right? Because he had the second round pick contract. So I think he's coming up. I believe uh, so
2: because he kind of got screwed in his deal, right? And he had a yeah. little like three-year deal that was like minuscule.
0: Mm-hmm. Similar to the Alonzo Trier thing, why he's going to be a free agent this year.
2: Right, right. Yeah, so Mitch is going to be due first then, I guess. But Which I is going to be a
0: really interesting decision for them. And sort of like what we're talking about, you know, we're talking about the team kind of taking the patient approach and it's interesting because we have this new front office and i think everyone is sort of hoping that it's not just going to be business as usual for the knicks which is set a plan immediate, immediately pivot and then kind of straddle both lines and never actually go in either direction but i think everyone's sort of hoping that we can avoid that but at the same time like you don't get worldwide West and leon rose because you want to sit on your hands and be patient, right? Those guys are guys who are known for going out and getting people. So I, I, it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, where they where they land between being patient and being aggressive. I would imagine they're on the more aggressive end.
1: Yeah, they have to be, because we talked about it last episode too, where you don't bring a guy in like Wes who's so connected that it's going to be impossible for him to not – be considered tampering under league rules. I really think it's similar to magic Johnson situation in LA where they're just having there to bring a star in and then he's going to leave. But looking at the possible free agents, there's really not anything until 2022, 2024. Cause Giannis is probably the first one up and I don't even think that's even remotely happening. I don't think the Knicks even get a meeting. So it's at least a four year wait. So I don't know what, the exact planet that's why i think outside of the box like booker mitchell is possible
0: yeah what it really comes down to is you just you got to hit on one of these picks like we have all these picks we've got the ones that we've taken over the last three years we've got what four picks in the next two years a bunch of second rounders you got to hit on at least one of those and that changes the trajectory right if you don't hit on, if they're all kind of middling prospects like it seems like we have now where like rj and Mitch are both the highest end prospects. And, you know, the jury's still very much out on how productive they can be as NBA players in terms especially like if you're looking for a star, That that's what's gonna do it. You really, you gotta nail those draft picks and you have to nail the around the margin signings the way that like a team like Toronto does, where they hit every single, you know, undrafted free agent scrap heap signing, they seem to hit over and over again and then they develop them. And that's really gonna be the only way I don't think these trades are just going to fall in their lap. I think they're going to need to really, you know, kind of change their whole development strategy. And that could lead possibly to these avenues. But if they don't do that, then, you know, it's going to be more of the same treading water.
1: Well, in that spirit, wouldn't you then push for a LaMelo trade? Because I mean, just the video, what was it, two days ago where he throws the self alley that already got like Twitter buzzing and IG. So Maybe just bringing somebody that exciting, maybe you package a couple of those Mavs picks to move up, depending on what happens at the lottery. Maybe that's not as nearsighted as it appears, because I think to suck for Cade, you're going to have to get number one overall pick, and you can't even plan for that anymore. So maybe just worrying about now and just being exciting for next season might be the play.
0: Yeah, I think LaMelo is definitely the guy to bring that buzz back to the garden. Um, even, I, I would still be kind of wary. I would definitely trade up for Melo if you know we were a couple of s- spots away, if you can, I don't know, throw in Knox, maybe a future pick, maybe just, we have a, a bunch of second round picks coming up, like see what you can do, maybe the LA pick. I'm still hesitant to be throwing them away next year's picks, not throwing away, but including them in this, just because even if you don't get K, there are so many guys in that draft who are so interesting, but at the same time, you know, we are always kind of looking to the future for the savior and sometimes you just gotta make the move now and, you know, hope that that works out enough. You know, the best laid plans in the future don't mean anything compared to what's happening right now.
2: Yeah, I always think you gotta go get your guy. If if you like somebody regardless of how the draft is being pegged or what is being said about it being strong or weak or whatever, if you truly believe that there's a guy you need in that draft and you have, you know, ample assets, especially if you're in the green, like the Knicks are in the way that they are. Um, I, I'm always a big proponent. Go get your guy then. Like just sometimes that's absolutely worth it. And you give up a couple extra picks or whatever it is, or a future pick or, you know, however that deal gets worked out. But I just think at some point, like, yeah, like you can't, it's great to have a, a pick in next year's draft. That supposedly that draft is supposed to be loaded. Right. But, Again, in theory, it's tough because you can't predict that anymore. You know, a 14% chance we've seen really isn't much. So, you know, if you think you're close right now with a couple of the pieces you have and you think, you know, somebody in this draft can be a game changer for you if you think that's Lamelo, yeah, I think go for it. Uh, You know, we've seen them kind of be very conservative the last few years, kind of aimlessly, you know what I mean? And uh, just kind of hoping one of their picks pans out. And it's been very, you know, very lazy, very, you know, there's, it's very lifeless, you know, like if you think somebody's electric and is going to help you out today with a couple of those pieces you've obtained the last couple of years, go get him now.
1: Yeah. I, I feel the same way. I mean, I love, I had Killian as my number one, but I feel like trading for LaMelo is on par with, Trading for not a star player per se, but you know somebody that makes you excited to go to the Garden.
2: You have you have expectations for. You have expectations right, exactly.
1: for exactly
2: right for right or wrong that that's how this works. It runs on expectations. You trade for a star because you expect productivity or good performance. You trade for Lamelo because you saw him play in Australia. You saw him play as he was coming up in you know in this instance you believe in him in his jump shot and and everything coming along quite easily. So. That's why you would make the trade, you know you would have your expectations set on a player like that,
1: yeah, I think that's I think that's quickly becoming the move is now that I've talked through the Booker possibility, which seems less and less likely as well as Mitchell just because of club control, so maybe this is the move for now, and then see what happens when it happens because clearly just tanking tanking's kind of just been removed from the picture, but uh.
2: You can't miss this Here's many the question times. For you guys,
0: though. Would, would, you do, would the calculus be the same for Anthony Edwards, who I would say might even have mm. a higher star upside, but you've got all the decision-making, shot-selection questions. Do you, yeah. do you have the same kind of idea about trading up for them? Or for him?
1: Hmm. I feel like he's more likely to just check out in the middle of the game than LaMelo is. Mm-hmm. And LaMelo's exciting without having to score. I feel like Edwards most of the time is exciting when he's scoring. So it's like he's kind of self-reliant on how hot he is on a given night where LaMelo could have a triple-double, he could have 20 assists, or he could just have (laughs) – he could be terrible and then just throw a full-court lob to Mitch and suddenly he's had the highlight of the night type of thing, you know, where Edwards is –
2: I I don't – I don't disagree about the upside of Edwards at all. I think that's a very valid point. And if the Knicks feel that he's the guy, then again, I think just go get your guy and figure out the rest later. I'm a big proponent of that. And in any front office, like whoever it is, like you're only really running on your instincts anyway about what you know about basketball. Like that's already going to be your job. So if I feel strongly that if you like somebody that much or you believe in somebody that strongly – I don't like the whole, oh, okay, we can sit back two or three spots and hopefully he falls to us. Just straight up. Just straight up. Always. But um, I don't know. I like Lamelo. The thing for me is, like, I like Lamelo's shot creation. Like, that that's what does it for me. Like, the potential upside of being a 6-7 a point guard who you can't teach height. And if the jump shot really is there or is going to be there, I think that's, like, what separates it. That's a real big guard who can create his own shot. You know, RJ still struggles with that to some degree right now. You know, it's like we we need like a bona fide shot creator. And to me, you can't really have enough of those guys in 2020. So I, I would be hopeful on a big guard who can do a bunch of things like that. And I would take I'd be fine losing on that. You know what I mean? I'm perfectly fine sinking a couple extra assets and losing on a lamello ball. Just that's my own personal belief.
0: So I totally agree. And I, you know, Ant is not my guy at all. Um, But I do think it's like worth talking about because his problems seem to be more, you know, like, like Mike said, floating a little bit or just, you know, getting too shot happy. But I do think that if he, if his shot is for real and he can kind of like hone in, he has the potential to be like one of the best shot creating two guards in the league. Um, Like he has, like real, real superstar scoring upside. Uh, just the fluidity that he gets his shots off on in so many different ways, and then the threat of him driving to the basket is so interesting. So, like I said, he's not my guy, and I would much rather sell out for LaMelo. But, like, if he hits, he could hit really big. And just in a draft where there aren't a ton of guys who are like that, I, I do think it's interesting that that sort of gets diminished a little bit because of his mentality, Um, which is fair. Like we've seen time and time again, that mentality is a huge thing for these guys and some people can fix it and some can't. Um, But I do wonder if he gets like a little bit overlooked in terms of just like how much genuine superstar potential he has.
1: Yeah. He's kind of like Cole Anthony in the sense that I guarantee we're going to all feel like, Oh damn, we kind of underrated him coming out of college for whatever reason. Because he gets – I mean, it's – what happened with RJ last year, it's not a stranger to any top prospect where we're going to scream their weaknesses and whisper their strengths type of thing. But, yeah, just to answer your question, it's not bad in theory to trade up for Edwards because you could easily flip him in a bigger deal if he just has a good September, October, November, December, or in this case, December through February. You could even flip him then or keep him at that point.
2: Yeah. Knicks need talent at the end of the day. Uh, that That's basically what this pod was just about. You know, you got to take a swing, whether it's in the draft, uh, trading for a star, just seeing who's available. Like end of the day, like that's, that's kind of where it happens when you just kind of exist. You know, they've just existed the last couple of years. They've been saying they've been rebuilding, but it's been a really half-assed rebuild. You know what I mean? Like they just kind of floated along and at some point it's time to put up or shut up. And, You know, we want results. You can't just exist and get worse every year. So we want to see a swing taken. We don't know what kind. I think fans are going to be very receptive of it no matter what way it comes, whether it's uh, an aggressive move up to get a LaMelo ball and the CAA, you know, BBB coalition joins, you know, forces in the garden. Who knows if it means that they're going to take a couple of swings at a Booker or Mitchell, you know, who knows? But they, they got to do something. You know, if you really think RJ and and Mitchell Robinson are worth building around and, you know, you got to get them some help some way or then they got to be used to be part of whoever is going to be that person you believe in. And it seems like they're not really big on this whole rebuild thing from what, you know, all their actions have told us so far. So I'm interested to see what happens. Uh, I definitely, you know, I I feel like you guys feel the same, but. my general hunch is like they're going to take a swing at some point. Like once the season like resumes and they know where they're going to pick, like I, I really do think you're going to hear about whatever it is that they're going to be swinging for. But I think like something's brewing. I just don't know how like nixy it's going to be or how potentially good it's going to be.
0: It's going to be Chris Paul. We can just we can just say it now.
2: I wouldn't even mind the Chris Paul thing.
0: No, it what wouldn't mean, be
2: that bad. I would, at this point, in the context of where they're at and, and what they can afford to pay and, and the roster and the fit for our – like, it checks a lot of boxes, man. You, you just got to hope he stays, like, moderately healthy. That's all that I would ask in, in this given uh, hypothetical.
0: Yeah, I mean, Chris Paul would be a godsend to this next team, let's just be honest.
1: Yeah, he immediately becomes, what, the <laughs> third or fourth best point guard in – to ever play for the Knicks. Before he even puts the even jersey on. <laughs> <age>. <laughs> before, yeah. Not even in,
0: in his prime, but at this age. Yeah.
1: Before he even <laughs> <laughs> puts the jersey
0: on. Before he even goes to the
2: press conference. That's <laughs> so
1: embarrassing.
2: But, um, <laughs> oh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, no. That, um, Eli, you got anything to plug before we get out of here?
0: Uh, I've got a Patrick Williams scouting report that should be dropping early next week.
2: So keep your eye out for that.
1: Sweet, sweet. Kyle, uh, any new guests coming up for Three to the Dome?
2: Uh, we'll see. I'm trying to cook some stuff up with the bubble coming back. And, uh, sorry, it was a motorcycle passing right as I was talking, but, uh, I'm trying to cook something up as the, the bubble's about to return in the NBA. So trying to see what I can get you guys for a little, uh, team by team type preview thing, a little quick hitter episode type deal, but we'll see. Stay tuned for that. Go subscribe to the pod and, uh, let's hope the NBA stays on track.
1: All right, man. Yeah, most definitely until next time.